Kohelet, Perek Gimel. Perek Gimel itself uh, can be seen as a uh, self-contained unit. We said earlier that the Perakim and Kohelet don't necessarily correspond to the literary units of Kohelet, but Perek Gimel can be seen as corresponding to an entire literary unit. We'll see in the middle whether uh, Perek Gimel can be divided into two or not. There is a lot of disagreement among the Mefarshim and modern commentators as to whether Perek Gimel is one unit or two, but it is at least self-contained, and we'll go through all of it. It starts with Shir Haritim, or what we call the, the what modern commentators call the Catalog of Times. It is followed up by Kohelet's conclusions that uh, that emanate from this Catalog of Times, and then there is a digression, or maybe it's a continuation. We'll talk about it into uh, Kohelet's ruminations about justice in this world. Pasuk Aleph, la kol zeman ve'ait lechol chefes tahat hashamayim. For everything, there is a time, a time for every matter under the heavens. This is the introductory pasuk to the shir, to the poem of times. Pasuk bet, ait la ledet ve'ait la mut, ait la taat ve'ait la akor natua. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. Pasuk gimel. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. Pasuk Dalid. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time of mourning and a time of dancing. Sifod can be seen as either mourning or eulogizing. Here it's probably mourning as compared to rekod, which is uh, to be happy. Pasuk He. A time to cast stones and a time to gather stones. This one is a little bit difficult. Hazal in the Midrash seem to view casting stones as a positive and gathering stones as a negative. And the, res- the, the explanation would be casting stones is a person who is breaking down the stones the, of, of fences between one and his neighbor. And gathering stones is a person who is building fences between uh, himself and his neighbor. He's dividing between himself and his neighbor. So that is how we will explain it here. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to hashot. A time to rend, to tear up, and a time to sow. A time to keep silent, and a time to speak. A time to love, and a time to hate. A time of war, and a time of peace. The punchline to the poem. What advantage or profit does one who toils have in what he toils at. I just want to say a few things about the poem, both structurally and thematically. Structurally, the poem is made up of seven pesukim. Uh, these seven pesukim are made up of 14 different pairs. If you go through the seven pesukim, each made up of two pairs, you'll find that each 
set of two pairs is actually related to each other. For example, to be born and to die, to plant and to uproot are both obviously related to life and death. And so if you go on through the Pesukim, you'll see that each set of two pairs are related to each other. And so what you might have is seven uh, total sets of pairs, which is perhaps Kohelet's way of, of uh, saying that this is the complete catalog of man's deeds in the world, seven being a representation of everything. And of course, what we would have over here is kind of a parallelism to the prologue that we saw in Kohelet at the beginning, the first 11 Pesukim of Kohelet itself. That prologue discussed the cyclicality of nature, and what we have over here in this poem thematically is a not a discu- is also a discussion of cyclicality, but not the cyclicality of nature, the cyclicality of man's deeds. And what Kohelet is saying over here is very similar to what Kohelet said about the cyclicality of nature, which is just like nature doesn't change all that much. In reality, if you observe man, man does not himself change all that much throughout history. He was born, he dies. Whatever he plants ends up getting uprooted. He kills, he heals. He breaks down, he builds. It's all cyclical. Whatever he does now will probably be reversed in the future. And as a result of that, the punchline to the poem is Pasuk uh, Tet, which is the last Pasuk of the poem, What is the point? What is the advantage? What is the incremental benefit a person gets when he does things, when he toils for them? There is no incremental benefit, there's no advantage, because whatever he does is going to be reversed in the future. And as such, as we've seen so far throughout uh, Kohelet's ruminations, there is no eternal significance to anything that a person could physically do, because it will be reversed. Pasuk Yod I have seen the matter that God has given to man with which to busy himself. In other words, Kohelet is now observing all these things that man busies himself with, being born and dying and planting and, and, uh, and uprooting and killing and healing and going to war and making peace and embracing and, and moving away from people and asking and losing and keeping and throwing all these things he observes that man does. Pasuk Yud Aleph, et hakol asa yafe berito. And he observes that at the time that man does these things, he does them at the proper time. He's doing the right thing at that particular point in time. Gam et haolam natan beribam. Hashem, God, gives haolam. Haolam here does not mean the world. It means eternity, and what Kohelet is expressing here is a very deep idea. He's saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave in people's hearts, in people's minds, the concept of eternity, which means that at any particular point in time, when the person is doing something, he's not thinking about himself as a temporary fixture in the world. He is thinking about whatever he's doing as a permanent, eternal thing. At the moment that he goes to war, for example, he's not thinking about the peace treaty that is going to be signed next month or next year or in a few years. At the moment that he's expressing love, he's not thinking about perhaps the relationship with the person that he's loving will change in the future and he'll end up hating that person. He's thinking that his current actions are themselves eternal. And of course, this is necessary for humanity to continue to act because if a person 
kept thinking about death, and he kept thinking about the uh, temporary and ephemeral nature of all his actions, he would never do anything. So, Kohelet says, Hashem plants this concept of eternity in the person's heart. A person acts this way, says Kohelet, even without knowing that God actually has some sort of master plan from the beginning to the end, there is some sort of master plan, but a person does his deeds without knowing where his deeds stand in God's grand scheme of things. He does his deeds just thinking about the particular effect of what he's doing right now. He goes to war thinking about the particular effect of what he's doing right now without necessarily thinking about what God's master plan is in the grand scheme of things. Pasuk Yudbet and over here we see the sort of code word that Kohelet uses to indicate his answer to the questions that he's he has, or at least his his uh, answer in the end to what his questions are. And if you go back and look in the previous pedic at Pasuk Chavdaret, he says En Tov Ba'adam. Here too he starts Pasuk Yudbet Yadati Ki En Tov Bam Ki Im Nismoach Asot Tov Bechayav. There is no better for man, for them, i.e. for man, but to be uh, merry, and for him to do good in his life. And yet, every man who eats and drinks and sees uh, good in what, he, in what he toils, it is a gift from God. This is almost the exact same message we saw in the last Perek in Pasuk Chavdalet. It is also very similar, almost exactly the same message as we'll see at the end of this Perek in Pasuk Chavbet. And it is sort of Kohelet's answer to his questions. What is value? What is worth it in life for man to be happy, to eat and drink, and to enjoy what he has right now? And just to remember that that is a gift from God, and even that is probably not permanent, but he can enjoy it right now. In other words, this is almost a contrast to what Kohelet was saying in this pedic up until now. Yes, it's true that everything that a person does will end up being reversed, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he can be somewhat happy with what he's doing right now at this particular moment. Pasuk Yudalid, and over here Kohelet contrasts the ephemeral nature of human deeds to the eternal nature of God's work. I know that whatever God does, it will be eternal, it will be forever. On what he does, you cannot add, and one cannot take away from it. And this eternal nature of God's deeds, that is what makes people fear him. And this is the first time we've seen the concept of fear of God, and we'll discuss it uh, at a later point in Kohelet. What is Kohelet's introduction of the fear of God in this particular situation coming to teach us? And we will see further when Kohelet discusses the fear of God, uh, what it comes to teach us. We're not going to talk about it right now. But suffice it to say that the eternal nature of God is what makes us fear Him. Pasuk Tetvav, Mashehaya Kebarhu, Vasher Lihiyot Kebarhaya. 
that which was already has been, and that which will be also has already been. Once again, just like the Shir Ha'itim, the Catalogue of Times, brought us back to the cyclicality of the Prologue of Kohelet in the first Pidik, this line also brings us back to the Prologue of Kohelet in the first Pidik. In this particular case, Pasuk Tet over there, Ma shehayahu sheyeh, hu This is expressing a very similar concept. There is nothing new under the sun. And over here, the difference is, he's not talking about nature, he's talking about the deeds of man. Nothing that man does is new. Anything that he does has probably already been, and anything that in the future he will do has also probably already been. There is no major hidushim in the deeds of man. The pasuk over here, pasuk tetvav, ends in a difficult way. It ends elokim yevakesh et nirdaf. The peshat over here is that the shoresh bakesh and the shoresh radaf basically both mean the same thing. Levakesh is to seek something, and liridof is to seek something. And what the pasuk is telling us over here is a similar point that the pasuk told us at the beginning. Ha'elokim yevakesh et nirdaf. God is seeking that which was already sought in the past. And so, whatever has been sought in the past, God will make happen again in the present and in the future. That's the peshat of the pasuk, of this, the end of this pasuk. You can also interpret pasuk, uh, the end of pasuk tetvav, in a, uh, in a midrashic way, and that is ha'elohim yevakesh et nirdaf. In other words, God will seek out justice for those who have been oppressed, for those who were chased after. And, in some ways, the Midrashic interpretation here is uh, implied in the Pasuk, given that this that after this Pasuk, the Perek will turn to the concept of justice. And so you can sort of see that there, the, both interpretations of the end of this Pasuk are somewhat required in order to understand the literary flow of the Perek. There's the Peshat, but in the Derash interpretation, there, the continuation of the Perek is connected to what has come before before uh, the the discourse on justice that we're about to start reading. Pasuk And further did I see under the sun, and some see this as a break in the Perek, an introduction to a new unit in Kohelet, and some, as we said earlier, see this as a continuation to the previous section. I further saw under the sun, The place of judgment, that's where I saw wickedness. The place of justice, the wickedness is there. Now, in a certain sense, you might say, well, of course, this is a new unit. What does justice have anything to do with what Kohelet was speaking about earlier, which is the cyclicality of human deeds and their futility versus the eternity of God's deeds? There's no connection, and so perhaps this is just a new unit uh, that Kohelet is discussing, in which Kohelet is discussing justice. But, at least from a literary perspective, it seems like Kohelet is trying to link the two units, first of all with that we saw in the previous pasuk, and then as we'll see in the next pasuk, Kohelet says, which is of course the same thing that he said at the beginning of the Perek, so perhaps he's trying to link the two. Now, that begs the question of what is the relationship between Kohelet's ruminations on justice, on the one hand, and his ruminations on the temporal nature of man's deeds. 
And what I'd like to suggest here is that just like in the first half of this Perek, Kohelet is talking about man's deeds, and then at the end he contrasts man's uh, ephemeral uh, the ephemeral nature of man's deeds with the eternal nature of whatever God does, in the concept of justice too, there is a very stark contrast, and Kohelet is going to make this contrast as we go through the Pesukim over here, there is a very stark contrast between man's version of justice and God's version of justice. That man's version of justice is uh, seemingly corrupt. Kohelet goes to Mekom HaMishpat and Mekom HaTzedek, and over there, all he sees is wickedness, so man's version of justice is seemingly corrupt, but he will contrast that with God's version of justice, which is not corrupt and is uh, is itself eternal and just. Pasuk Yudzain, Amarti ani beribi, I said in my heart, et asadik vet harashar yishpot ha'elohim. Both the uh, righteous man and the wicked man, God will judge. Ki a'et lechor hefetz ve'al kol ha'ma'aseh, Sham. There is a time for every matter and for every deed. Sham there. And I think it's kind of obvious over here that against the protestations of uh, many modern commentators who view Kohelet as primarily a subversive book, what Kohelet is referring to over here is, as Hazel told us, to Olam Haba, that in contrast to the human realm where there is no justice, when it comes to Olam Haba, that is where God will justly judge between Sadiq and Asha, between righteous and wicked. Now, even though Kohelet clearly believes that this is the case, as we'll see throughout the rest of the Pedic, he does not believe that this is enough to live on. It's not enough to answer his questions about the significance of what goes on here in the human realm. Pasuk Yudhet, in reaction to what he just stated, which is that Man will be judged by God in Olam Haba. Kohelet says the following, I said in my heart, and I think this could be one of the quotations we discussed, a sort of uh, establishment quotation, a classic belief of most of the people who lived at the time. Because of this matter pertaining to man, because of man's special place in uh, the, the the concept of cosmic justice, regarding this particular aspect of man, God separated them from any other living thing. But Kohelet follows this up with a sort of cynical view, and you can almost hear with his choice of words the sound of perhaps domesticated farm animals, shehem, behema, hem, malahem. And what Kohelet is trying to say is, I know that in the grand scheme of things, there is cosmic justice for man, but all I see, velirot, all I see is that man is just another type of beast. Pasuk yutet, ki mikre adam, umikre behema, umikre ehad lahem. For the fate of man and the fate of the beast is a single fate. Just as one dies, so dies the other. And they both seem to have the same uh, breath of life. And the advantage of man over the beast 
is non-existent because it is all mere breath. It is all ephemeral, it all lacks substance, and by it all, clearly Kohelet is talking about man's life, how he sees man's life, it seems all ephemeral and lacking substance. And as such, there's no incremental value that man has over the beast. Pasuk Chaf, Hakol Holech El Makom Echad, they all go, it all goes to the same place, Hakol Hayam In Hi'afar, Vehakol Shab El Hi'afar, everything comes from the dust of the earth, and everything returns to the dust of the earth. And very clearly over here, Kohelet is alluding to the story of Ma'aseh Bereshit, where man is made uh, from the dust of the earth, Afar min and his punishment is that he will return to the dust of the earth, he will, he will be shav el he'afar, as Kohelet says over here. From a physical perspective, there is no difference between man and beast to Kohelet. Pasuk Chaf Aref, Mi yodeya, who knows? Ruach b'neha adam, ha'ola hi lemala, ve'ruach ha'behema ha'yoredet hi lemata la'ares? This is a very difficult pasuk. I think uh, it was the Me'iri who said that it is this pasuk that the Midrash was referring to when they said that Ratzul ignores Kohelet because of tzad minut, because of uh, potentially heretical material. Uh, the translation of the pasuk would be as follows, and I'll interpret it in a second. Mi yodea, who knows? Ruach b'nei adam ha'olahi lemala, beruach behemah yoredet hilemata la'aretz, does the breath, the life breath of man, go up uh, to the to the heavens and the life breath of the animal, does it go down into the ground? And this is an example where the uh, modern academic commentators seize on this to prove, so to speak, that Kohelet is in fact uh, a subversive writer who uh, who's going against the typical belief systems of uh, the Pirushim, the, the more traditional uh, Jews at the time of uh, the second Beit HaMikdash. In other words, their interpretation of this is that Kohelet is in fact rejecting Olam Abba, but I think the more Peshat interpretation of this is that Kohelet in fact previously admitted that he does believe that there is justice in Olam Abba, and what he means by Mi Yodeya is not who knows, it's not that he's unsure whether there is an Olam Abba for man and nothing for beast. It's a more colloquial who knows. Uh, like, who knows that if this is what happens? Meaning, this is probably what happens, and I believe that indeed man gets judged sham in Shamayim. But for me, as for me, this is not something that I could build uh, a significant life here in the realm, in the earthly realm, based on that knowledge that the only thing that matters is the cosmic justice that happens sham in the heavens. I need something more to build here in the earth, to build on here in the earthly realm. Just knowing that there is cosmic justice sham is not enough. Who knows uh, if this happens? He's not trying to say that it doesn't happen. He's trying to say that uh, it's not enough to bring significance to his current position in life, the physical life that he's living, just because there is some sort of uh, uh, afterlife in which justice happens. And as a result, that is why he goes to Pasuk Kafbet, which as we've seen before is Kohelet's answer to the question he poses as to the significance of man's life. And here again you see the code words, Ki en tov me'asher, 
and we'll read the entire pasuk, pasuk chavbet. Vidaiti, and I see as a result of everything that I've reflected on in this pedic so far, I see ki en tob, there is no better that a man should be happy and merry with his deeds that he is doing right now because that is his portion. Because who can bring him to see what will happen after him? And in some ways, this sort of justifies uh, that this unit on uh, cosmic justice is in fact connected to the earlier part of the Perek that talks about the time for everything. What Kohelet concludes with over here at the end of the third Perek is, even though man cannot see what happens after him. If he plants right now, he cannot necessarily see who will uproot that planting. If he is building fences now, he cannot necessarily see who will take down that fence. If he is at war now, he cannot necessarily think about when the peace will happen. What he's doing right now is uh, or should be seen as a single moment by that particular person. And that single moment should be appreciated by the person. A person should be happy with the deeds that he is doing right now. That is his portion. And this is the third time we've seen Kohelet uh, come uh, uh, repeat these words. There is no better that a person do X. And we'll see this a few more times in the Megillah. And as we'll discuss perhaps uh, in a lengthier way at a later date, this is the punchline of Kohelet, his reaction to everything he sees. This is his answer.